going on guys it's your boy matt st jack whether you're an avid anime fan a wee tadpole still finding your way or anywhere in between i'll be providing my opinions and insights on anime old and new think yelp with help from friends and producers from other shows weighing in i know you can't wait to hear and i can't wait to tell so let's get to it this is matt st jack with anime talk let's go I'm Bo Maddox. I'm Robert Ortegon. I'm Ashley Chancellor. And I'm Derek. (laughs) (laughs) And this is Collateral Cinema. Welcome to Collateral Cinema, the only movie podcast that matters, where we focus on good movies, bad movies, and everything else in between in the world of cinema. We are podcasting straight from somewhere in South Texas, and yes, my friends, we are a 420-friendly podcast. So whatever you have, be it dabs, blunts, bongs, or joints, smoke it if you've got it. And welcome to our annual Rocky episode. You know, this has kind of been, uh, at least for the last couple of years, a little bit of a tradition for us is we're kind of going through all the Rocky movies, you know, because it's, it's a it's a very uh, interesting franchise to get into. Right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we had the first, I mean, we had the second Rocky on hold for like the longest time. Yeah, right? we did, but we finally did it last year. Finally and, did it. <laughs> and then now, now we're just kind of going through all the movies. And... Helping us out this time is from uh, Ratchet uh, Book Club and uh, Hindsight Movie Reviews, uh, Mr. Derek Jones. How are you doing, Derek? You know, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. And I got to tell you, I pity the fool <laughs> who doesn't recognize Rocky Three as the gift that it is to society. Hell yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Oh yeah, this this movie is a fucking treasure in so many ways. Honestly, I mean, and and, and a treasure especially in relation to the uh, franchise itself, you know, and also to everybody involved. And we're going to get into that. I mean, because I I feel like this is really quite possibly the most important Rocky movie uh, out of the entire franchise, like probably ever made. Like period. So, yes, we are talking about Rocky Three, uh, starring, of course, Sylvester Stallone, Talia Shire, uh, Burgess Meredith, Burt Young, uh, Carl Weathers, and the one and only Mr. T and Hulk Hogan as well. <laughs> Hell Quite yeah, brother! Cast, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh yeah, Burt Young died this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Rest yeah. in peace, Burt Young. Like, yes, we we lost him this year, unfortunately. So yeah, this this episode is definitely in his memory. Yeah, the last movie where he really got to show his inner racist. Okay, yeah, um, yeah, Burt Young. This is the last time I know of that he really got to channel that inner racist on Rocky. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> exactly right. I saw that exactly. Like, 
I mean, th- that just wasn't what he was in the first couple of movies, right? No, it wasn't like that. It was just a guinea drunk, right? Like, really? I feel like he looked at Sylvester Stallone after he looked at the script and said, dude, what did I do to you? Like, <laughs> I know they made Polly so antagonistic in this b- film. Uh, right off from the beginning, whenever he smashes that fucking pinball machine. Mind you, that's not the worst thing I've ever seen happen to a pinball machine. Uh-huh, yeah. You, I'm going to ask. Ash and I know exactly. <laughs> Is it a movie that we did a... Uh, that was suggested to us by our friend Sean Bateman. It was called uh, Wicked City. It had a scene with a pinball machine yeah. that is quite infamous. So let's just put it at that. He fucks you the know? pinball machine. I yeah. thought that was what it was going to end up being, but I didn't want to <laughs> believe it out loud. <laughs> because, sir, that's not what you do to the quarter slot. And also, oh. sir, this is an Arby's. So I'm going <laughs> to need you to back up. <laughs> Oh my the God. fuck? What, what, why would you fuck Eggie's pinball machine? What is the impetus? Like, you just you know, wanted to... <laughs> I don't think the movie really adds any additional context to it. That's I the hilarious were... part. But seriously, what the fuck was up with Polly in this movie? I mean, he always was a little a little shady. He always was, you know, but they, they just turned him into a straight up asshole. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, not just for the racist shit, but like in the beginning, he's just gets all jealous just cause what Rocky's successful mm-hmm. and he didn't even ask for anything yeah. as yeah, Rocky right? points out. Like that was, that was the, first of all, first of all, when I first saw this movie, okay, I gotta be honest with y'all. I fucking hate my dad. Okay, I fucking hate my dad. Um, it's all right. You can clap. I, I um, <laughs> fucking hate my dad. Bo but understands the things. The things that he provided me yeah. in the short time that we had together before he totally went full asshole are immeasurable. Isley Brothers, uh, D Train, uh, tons of jazz, R and B, and rock. Uh, risky business, um, having access to Porky's way before I should have, and Rocky Three, uh, the Lakers and the Sonics playing against each other. So I recall from a very young age hearing the phrase, the word is awesome. And my dad would just walk around the house saying that to himself over and over again, like he was pumping himself up. It took me a while to realize that was a fucking Nissan commercial. <laughs> wow because oh, my dad man. just walked around the house like the word is awesome and then i watched you know rocky when i got older i think i was like because i saw it the first time when it came out in 83 you know i was three years old and i saw it like every year after that like it was the shit so it was part of our family and then when i was like 13 i watched it and i actually listened and i was like this motherfucker was quoting a fucking car ad and i've been walking around like it was a mantra for life and shit because he said it when i was fucking three years old but no my mantra for life was stolen from a car commercial for a car that i don't even know what the fuck it looked like because they didn't even show the car on screen they just showed it being said as drunk as polly throws his uh throws his whiskey bottle through a Rocky pinball machine because somebody asked him, it wasn't anything bad. Somebody asked the gentleman to say, Hey, to rock for me. Yeah. 
Yeah, that, that's all that was. I mean, oh, yeah. yeah, he's just especially vindictive in so many ways. And it's like, I think somewhere along the line, we've all known at least one asshole. You know, I mean, you know, Derek just uh, relayed the uh, one in his life. We, we all know at least one, you know. Yeah. But it, it, it just kind of feels like, in many ways, it feels like it just came out of nowhere, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, like, like he, he, he was uh, a little uh, prote- overprotective of, uh, of Adrian for the most part early. That was more or less his only, yeah, yeah, he was overprotective as fuck. And, you know, that, that, would, that was kind of his only problem, like, with those couple of movies. But here, it's like, I mean, hell, he, he goes to L.A. and he's walking up into uh, the gym with Apollo. He's like, oof. It's like his his attitude just goes off, mm-hmm. fucking off, man. It's like Jesus. He did everything outside of saying it's kind of dark in here, isn't it? He straight up says it's like I should have brought my gun or something like oh, that. God, uh, you know, it's just like Jesus Christ, Polly. Paulie, let's let's talk about your attributes here as you stand inside of a boxing gym with a bunch of black dudes in 1983 and just say shit about all of them. I don't I don't what was it? I don't I don't I don't stress you. I don't I don't I don't sweat you none or something. I don't sweat you. Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck, Paulie? Like, yeah, Paulie was the first hater I've ever known in my entire life. (laughs) There was no reason for it. It Seriously. And, 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 And then he has the nerve to wonder why they wouldn't like him. You know, he has the nerve to wonder that it's like, my man, my man, you're just, you're, you're up in, in LA, in, in California, in the mm-hmm. hood, and you're saying this shit, man. Come on. I guess, dude, I, I think he thought he was, um, I'm pretty sure he got jealous because, you know, he just wanted more hands outs in life from the first one. Probably. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, he, he did have a little bit of a uh, jealousy streak in the first couple of movies. Yeah. You know? um, he was handed the loan shark or the, yeah, the yeah, muscle yeah. He, position. Yeah. Yeah. Movie. I remember that. And then the second movie. Yes, and he got handed that, and then I guess he just thought life was just going to be more handouts from there or something, right? Something like that, yeah. yeah. Especially with Rocky uh, winning uh, big purses and everything and the championship. Yeah, I mean, he worked yeah. his ass off to get there, you know? Exactly. And at the beginning of this movie, we kind of get into that whole resentment that he has uh, against Rocky. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and he's a straight asshole. It's like, dude, it's like he's he's practically taken care of you ever since he... Uh, yeah. His career started, and, and you're acting like this? His best I mean, friend, also his brother-in-law now, right? His brother-in-law, even. Yeah, yeah, yeah this is family, dude. All family now, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, what the fuck, man? Just what the fuck? I mean, if I was his brother-in-law, if I'm Rocky, and you've literally stood in my way every step of the way, every single step, between me and Adrian, between me and being great, you're like... Paulie was always that guy who seemed three steps from calling Rocky a full-blown idiot. Like, Rocky, you stupid motherfucker. Here's how I really feel about you. So for him to escalate it from I hate you, Rocky, to you made it, and I can't believe it, so now I really hate you, it was just like, yo, at the point where you tried to throw hands with the heavyweight champion of the world, dog, and then afterwards, can I have a job? 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> I like how he tries to fight Rocky. That is actually hilarious. As he tries to fight Rocky, the only thing I can hear in my head oh, now yeah, is, exactly. you I mean, got the touch! <laughs> 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 exactly. <laughs> it wasn't going to work, man. He's all drunk, dude. Like, oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. He's got that liquid courage in him. Yeah. You know? Punch himself out, though, too. Right? Like, straight up, straight up. But, I mean, also, I mean, in this movie, like, er everybody in this movie is kind of uh, going by a hundred. Every actor here, like, I mean, Burt Young, he was good as Pauly, but then we have, uh, of course, Burgess Meredith. This is his last turn as Mickey right here, his, his big uh, farewell, you know, and, I mean... He he's pretty much protecting Rocky throughout the most of his career because, you know, he had the belt. He had to keep him healthy and everything. But whenever Clubber Lang shows up, I mean, Mickey is just like, no, you know, I don't care what your ranking is. You're you're not you're not doing this. And and it's like you got civilized rock. Yeah, he got he's like, you got civilized rock. You got civilized, boy. <laughs> Maybe three years ago you were you were like stone or what does he say? Yeah, something you, like was, that. It was like three years ago, you were supernatural, but now you're just, you know, you're civilized. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, uh, Burgess Meredith as Mickey, I mean, he's pretty much uh, throughout Rocky's early career, he's pretty much protecting him, you know? He's, I mean, not, not necessarily giving him setups or anything, but just trying to, uh, you know, keep him healthy and everything. So he... He uh, pretty much set up Rocky's 10, 10 win streak. And uh, whenever Clubber Lang shows up, Clubber is, is hungry. You know, that's what uh, Mickey says. He's like, he's hungry. He's a wrecking machine. And he's going to, and he's going to kill you because you're civilized now, you know? And yeah, you could kind of see that within that first montage. Yeah, he, he, he's pretty much like a celebrity now. Mm -hmm. Or as Ro Robert puts it, it's his uh, Spider-Man three moment, right? Or Spider Spider-Man two moment. Uh, Spider-Man Spider two, Spider two, Spider two moment. Oh my god! It's the moment where you forget who you are. You know what I mean? Exactly. Mm -hmm. And you gotta kind of like rediscover rediscover who you are again. You gotta go back to the beginning, right? I mean, at any point where Rocky thinks it's a good idea for him to do a commercial where he has a talk, that's when you've lost sight of who you are, Rock. Like like you know, talk, Rock. You box rock. You know talkie. No more. Don't say nothing. No, not at all. <laughs> the funny thing about Mickey is I don't think he meant to. And rest in peace, Burgess. Like, thank you so much for what you gave to the black community. His words are literally quotables. If you ever get a chance to listen to um, the song... Uh, the Champ by Ghostface Killer from the Wu-Tang Clan. Oh, yeah. I think I know what you're talking about. He literally takes the words from Mickey and puts them into a song and takes the words from uh, Clever Lang and puts them into a song. And it's the chorus, just them talking shit. And Hell it's yeah. amazing. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. Rocky Three is the closest thing that black people have before Creed uh, to a boxing movie that was for us. Um, it's set in LA. It's set in, in what was probably like 
back then, uh, West Hollywood, but it wasn't, you know, it didn't look safe and there was a lot of black folks in it. He's fighting against a black guy who's bombastic and talks all the shit in the world. It has Hulk Hogan in it, uh, out there wrestling. Hulk Hogan's talking shit. Everybody's talking shit. (laughs) Uh, Paulie's talking shit. And so this was literally the foundational point of my life is hearing Hulk Hogan come out and hearing Mickey come out and say, he's a wrecking ball. He'll knock you into tomorrow. (laughs) 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 You can't win, Rock. (laughs) My favorite thing about that whole whole sequence is that Hulk Hogan is talking shit, but it's all part of the show because as we see after the fight, he politely takes a picture with them and has no problem with it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I just want to remind all my love slaves out there, Thunderlips is here in the flesh, baby. (laughs) In the flesh, baby. (laughs) Fuck yeah, man. And the thing is, before he did this role, Hulk Hogan wasn't on the WWF's radar. But after he did this role... That's when Vince McMahon was like, I got to have this guy. Well, from, from what I understand, what happened is uh, he was working in WWF uh, at the time that uh, Vinny's dad was running it, uh, McMahon Sr. And McMahon Sr. actually fired him because he took this role, you know, because he was too, taking too many movie roles and everything. And it conflicted with his uh, wrestling schedule. So he let him go. And then, yeah, two years later, he would eventually be uh, picked back up by uh, Vinny Mac. And uh, he would uh, feature in that first WrestleMania, which is such an iconic moment in sports entertainment, you know, which had and incidentally had Hulk Hogan and Mr. T uh, wrestling in the main event. So if only Vince McMahon Sr. knew this is the last good movie that Hulk Hogan would ever do, you know, he'd be much more open to the idea <laughs> of promoting Rocky three. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, we're not a, we're not a suburban commando uh, <laughs> fan or anything like that. I like suburban. Or, or what, 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 what's his other movie? Uh, <laughs> was he a tooth fairy too or something? Yeah, he was a no, no. You're thinking of the Rock. That, yeah. That's the Rock. He was a know. tooth fairy. Yeah, he was a Santa in tights or something like or that. Diesel. I, there you go. So, yeah, there you go. Some he was Santa of, in tights. Some yeah. sort of kids movie. Yeah. yeah. But but yeah, I, I no, definitely. It's like this is pretty much uh, Hulk Hogan's. Uh, star turn as far as movies are concerned and probably the first the only movie that he did that was really worth anything yeah you know mm-hmm. but i mean yeah it, it it's a it's a fun fight as well i mean because you know you have hulk hogan you know still kind of uh biting by kayfabe there and everything but you know like, like you said in the end he's still uh I mean, he still takes a picture with uh, rocky and everything and you know and his family <laughs> Yeah, his family, exactly. It's it's such an absurd moment in this movie, and for many people, it, it, it's kind of where this uh, series got a little cartoonish, like or more than a little cartoonish, maybe, but I find it entertaining, though, because it's, it's just, I mean, Hulk Hogan, man, I mean, come on, in, in his prime. Mm-hmm. You know, but before all of the, all of the accolades in WWF. I guess uh, this movie kind of redefined all their careers and like their characters too. Yeah, it did. To uh, take it to the next level, right? Yeah, for the most point, for the most part. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, Rambo wasn't even a thing. And this is the start of the '80s era of Rocky movies. Exactly. Yeah. So I, 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 I really think it, you know, it, it just kind of, uh, 
really sets that whole thing into motion. And, you know, I've heard it said before that Rocky is almost a, a different persona in Rocky 3 and 4 uh, than he was in uh, the first couple movies. And I, what I've heard said was that Rocky's persona, the way that Stallone plays him, is kind of like how Stallone plays himself in the 80s. But going back to one of the points we made, I think back in Rocky 1, where we felt that the film kind of had uh, a little bit of an autobiographical feel to it, maybe that's intentional because this is the superstar Rocky who's the world champ and is, you know, a celebrity. So it would make sense that Rocky's persona might be uh, Stallone's celebrity persona. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, I think they even uh, bring up the fact that uh, Rocky's uh, droopy eye was fixed. And I think that uh, Stallone had that fixed in real life. Yeah, there's a, a line. And I, I finally uh, I finally picked up on the line when I watched the movie for the third time recently. Don't knock your eyes straight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Polly, Polly makes a, a, says something about how they fixed his face, and I was like, oh, so they kind of, kind of are knocking two birds with one stone there. One, that Stallone does look a little bit different in the face. Maybe he had some surgery. Uh, and two, it, it, I guess, effectively uh, answers that question about the eye, uh, unless, uh, you know, you believe that Apollo knocked it back <laughs> in the second fight. <laughs> Oh, shit. <laughs> I've heard that said. The other interesting thing about the, this movie as far as uh, Sylvester Stallone is concerned is how it's definitely a lot more autobiographical because at this point in his uh, career, he was... Uh, kind of after Rocky II and everything, he was in a little bit of a slump. He did a movie called Fist, another one called Victory that, I mean... Paradise he, Alley. Paradise Alley and everything, right. like, which, I mean, they they were... Some of them were well-received, but, I mean, they, they weren't really, like, box office blockbusters or anything like that. And this movie was pretty much kind of uh, about his, uh, him just kind of uh, rising back up to make uh, another uh, entry in the series that made him an icon and everything. So, like, I mean... I, I, I totally get that, and you really feel that. I mean, th th this is why this movie was important for Sylvester Stallone as well. You know, this was an he was kind of at an uh, impasse in his career, and it was either make this and, uh, you know, try to recoup uh, some face with your, uh, with your career and everything, or, uh, or, you know, fade into obscurity. So... Like, like, yeah, this was this was a very important uh, movie for him. And Carl Carl Weathers to Tanya Shire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we'll get into the, yeah Carl Weathers especially. Like he Carl Weathers says that this is his uh, favorite movie out of the entire uh, franchise because of all the character development that he got. There you go. I mean, with with him training Rocky and then passing on and letting Rocky wear the shorts that he fought him in. You know, uh, just that that whole uh, character journey for him, I think, is really interesting. And we even get some insight into how that fight made him feel whenever Rocky went the distance with him and then whenever he fought him in the rematch and won. And as he points out in the end, he actually never did get over that. <laughs> I think it's interesting that you were talking about how Carl Weathers 
mentioned how this was his favorite because he got to establish more of a background for himself because that is my one um, gripe with this movie is that Clever Lang didn't really get a background. He didn't really get a storyline like Creed is much better as far as establishing storylines and everything. But for Rocky, it was always very villain of the week. Like this person appears out of nowhere. They do this. They beat Rocky the first time. There's no real story from where they came from. And then Rocky trains and figures something else out and beats them up. And that's the whole story. And until Apollo became a friend or a confidant and trainer, he was just going to be another person in that long, in that, well, in that point in time, short, because it was just him twice and then Clever Lang. But um, in that short list of people who we knew nothing of, they were just, like I said, the villain of the du jour uh, for this Rocky movie. Um and for me personally, um, Rocky beating up nameless black men uh, or overconfident black men or cocky black men or whatever it may be, two movies in a row without them really getting a voice was something that I was like, is that how it really should be? So to have Apollo get more of a story and to become a friend of his and a confidant really did make me feel better because, I mean, we want a hero too. Yeah. And for me, Clever Lane was the hero of that movie for me. It, it was like having this brash black man come out and talk all this trash. Who's Mr. Fucking T and um, do these amazing things. He was the guy that I looked up to. He was the one I, he had the quotables. He had everything. And Rocky was just, hey, I'm going to beat you up. And it was just like, I don't want to look at him. I want to look more at this guy. So can we have more about this guy? And it never played out that way. So to hear uh, Carl Weathers say that he was happy about the way that things changed once he got uh more of a, a role in that third movie just kind of confirms what I thought, but it also makes me sad about missed opportunities because not only it wasn't just Clever Lang who didn't get a storyline, Ivan Drago deserved more of a storyline. I know that's going into Rocky Four, but he deserved we deserve to know more about why he's lifting his trainer up by his throat at the end of the at the end of the uh, fight and visibly throwing him out the ring like What's this dude going through? They're shoving him with steroids. Is his wife really in love with them? All these things that you never get to know about these people because they're not Rocky and they're not Adrian and they're not Polly. Like, I need less time knowing that Polly is a horrible racist hater motherfucker and know more about where Clever Lane came from in Chicago, Illinois. Like, what was his background? Where did he come up from? We just see him brutally beating people up, you know. While I the Tiger play, sure, that's great. But can I know something more than him running up to Mickey or talking to Mickey while while um, Rocky's getting a statue and telling Mickey straight out, you're the chump who knows where I come from. Hmm. Yeah. I want to know where you come from. Right. Like dropping, you know, just a little bit of that information. It kind of makes you hunger. Like I kind of want to know, you know, what made him this way? Why is he so mm -hmm. aggressive? And, you know, how much of that is kayfabe versus, you know, how he was actually brought up? And the way I see the performances, it's, it's very personal. 
Yeah, very much so. I mean, there's not <laughs> there's not a, 99 times out of 100, you're not going to go to somebody else's statue unveiling and mack on their wife in front of them. Hey, woman. <laughs> hey, woman. <laughs> so there's yeah, no there. shit. a real man. <laughs> and and I mean, he he told Mickey, I've seen you in the crowd watching my fights you know what i've been through i want to know i just this guy was literally when i was growing up fellas it was clever lang and fucking unicron those were my heroes fuck yeah unicron (laughs) that was it nice fucking unicron (laughs) man i had i had the unicron uh transformer actually that that shit was the tits so lucky. One of my guys has one now. He bought the he bought the uh the one that came out like in 2015 that when you push a button it automatically transforms on its own and it's this big ass planet yeah. that literally transforms into like this 4 foot tall or 3 foot tall unicron. It's fucking incredible. Man, I I probably still have that. I have a box up in my closet in my apartment right now that has all my transformers. I bet you unicron is there. <laughs> I bet you it's worth money. Possibly. Fuck yeah. It's for me, this movie followed the same trail as the other two movies. The only thing that made it more vivid was Mr. T talking shit. And if, if Sylvester Stallone wrote those things, then kudos to him because that shit was fucking incredible. If he wrote those lines for Mr. T, kudos to him, but it felt like it was all ad libbed. Mm. Exactly. Improved yeah. a little bit. It does, right? And this is his first film role, actually. There's there's a point in time where he where the announcer asks him, Do you have a new strategy for fighting Rocky this time? He was like, I don't need no strategy. The man's so predictable and stupid. <laughs> He's just gonna come right at me. He just comes straight ahead. <laughs> Something to that effect. Yeah, come straight ahead. Exactly. He's a, he's a little punch drunk. Leave him alone. <laughs> but if he's saying that, then he doesn't know Rocky because actually unpredictable is actually a big part of his character. And we see that. In the, in the last movie, he had to switch it up and fight the orthodox in order mm-hmm. to in order to cover up for the injury that was never brought back up again. Oh, yeah. And in this movie, he had to abandon his normal fighting style of, of coming having, straight ahead, uh, of just <laughs> taking all the hits and and wearing his pound. opponent down. Yeah. You know that didn't work with Mister T. That didn't work with Clubber Lang because Clubber Lang was able to knock him out in what the second round. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Had so he release, had to yeah. switch his strategy, get a little bit lighter on his feet. And towards the end of the movie, he actually does end up falling back on his his old strat of wearing his opponent down. But that was only after he basically took the edge to Clubber Ling by, you know, in that first round, just going at him because that's what you got to do. <laughs> now, when we fought, you had that eye of the tiger, man, the edge. And now you got to get it back. And the way to get it back is to go back to the beginning. You know what I mean? United Artists and Chartoff Winkler proudly present Rocky Three. The worst thing happened to you that could happen to any fighter. You got civilized. 
Get out of here with you! The truth is, we both started out on the same corner, and I got lucky with my life, and it's driving you nuts. Philadelphia salutes its favorite son, Rocky Balboa. Hey, why don't you tell all these nice folks why you've been ducking me? This guy is a wrecking machine. You know, you've got a big mouth. Why don't you come out and close it, Balboa? Come on. I want to fight this guy. You fight him without me. Balboa was a fine champion, but his time has passed. See that look in their eyes, Rock? Got to get that look back, Rock. I the tiger, come on. I will destroy any man who tries to take what I got. I'm going to torture him. I'm going to crucify him real bad. For the first time in my life, I'm afraid. Damn, Rock, come on! There's nothing wrong with being afraid. You thought I was tough? This jump will kill you. You wake up after a few years thinking you're a winner, but you're not. There is no tomorrow. You're really a loser. Well, I don't believe it. There is no tomorrow. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Rocky's greatest challenge to save his honor, his marriage, and his manhood against his most devastating and dangerous opponent. Bust you up. Go for it. Sylvester Stallone, Talia Shire, Burgess Meredith, Carl Weathers, Burt Young, and introducing Mr. T. Rocky III, an American tradition. When you really think about it, not even as a as a boxing fan, just as a person, when you really think about it, Rocky's number one thing that he did differently, other than learning how to hit the speed bag, which dude, you're a boxer. How aren't you able to hit that speed bag faster than that before you get around the brothers? The second thing that he had to train to do was or was that swimming swimming can he swim with a name like rock <laughs> he went in there <laughs> and started swimming and started running and his stamina so he because he was fighting all these palookas his stamina was shit and so he would come straight ahead exactly. sure yeah but Clever Lane was like, look, you are predictable. You can't move your feet. You move like nothing. I could just swing at you and knock you out. Watch. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. And he, I, I just, as a basketball coach, I just watched the stuff that Apollo had him do, that Apollo had Rocky do. And it immediately became apparent to me why Apollo was the champion until Rocky just took shots to the face until he could, until they both fell down and he got up first by one second. Right. He watched film with Rocky. Rocky never watched film before that. As far as I can tell, he had never done that before. No. He took no. him to a place no. and had him work on his footwork, his swimming, jumping rope, like, like all these things that he had never even thought of before. And Paulie's in the back talking shit because you're trying to make him into something he's not. That's what Paulie was saying. Yeah. How did Rocky yeah. even get to the championship watching these things? Yeah, it's almost like his training wasn't even completed yet. Yeah, I mean, in, in a way, it's like it's like Mickey kind of uh 
maybe purposely didn't really get into that with him more or less, yeah. you know? I mean, I mean, that was, that was a long shot in the first but movie. Right? May, maybe it's just more or less because Mickey was kind of like an old guard type of trainer and everything. And you know what, uh, what Apollo was offering, uh, uh, Rocky was uh, a style that was more up to date with uh, somebody like Clubber Lang, who mm. was, you know, like in the '80s, you started to have those fighters that, you know, they were is more about speed. You know, you were start and, and instead of just you know big heavy hitters and everything. So, you know, Clubber Lang is kind of indicative of that. You know, he's he's indicative of you know like just a very more fast paced uh, style of boxing. That I mean, Rocky was just kind of a dinosaur at that point. So. You know, I mean, Apollo had to get him up to speed by, you know, like swimming. I mean, that's that's a great way to not only work your cardio, but work, you know, all all the muscles in your body. You know, you're yeah. using everything whenever you're swimming like that, you know, especially with something like breaststroke or, you know, or backstroke or something like that. You're you're you're, you're exercising a lot of shit there, you know, and that's something that obviously he wasn't. Uh, he, he wasn't used to, like, especially if you uh, look at the lead up to his first fight with Clubber, like he's relaxed. He's, he's uh, bullshitting in, in his training. And, and Mickey's just trying to be like, no, you need to, you need to focus. This guy's going to kill you. <laughs> and, 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 but, I mean, Rocky's just not taking it seriously or anything like that. So, I mean, Apollo pretty much brought the seriousness back to him and, you know, kind of brought him up to date with a more, at that point, modern type of boxing, you know? I mean, I, I think in the 80s, a little later in the 80s, we would get, start getting Mike Tyson and, you know, he, he pretty much completely changed the game when, it, when he came out, you know? Like, I mean, he, he, he was just a monster, you know? So... So, I mean, that, that's really what it is. It, it, it feels like, you know, Rocky is uh, shedding his old guard way of uh, approaching the sport and Apollo just kind of gives him a breath of fresh air. Well, or at least gave him the tools, right? Because in the end of the day, it was Adrian that actually got him back to exactly. that eye of the tiger. Oh, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we, we got to talk about Talia Shire. Right. Yeah, but... This is also kind of Talia Shire's breakout in a way because, you know, I mean, beforehand she was kind of uh, just a little bit of a support. You know, she was just she was just the wifey, you know, she Godfather. was pregnant, you know. But this is where this is really the first time in the series where she really steps up for Rocky and she's just like, no, what's the truth? It's like, look, are you do is it because of the money? Is it because uh, uh, it's because you don't want to lose me? It's like, I'm not going to lose. You're not going to lose me over this. Comes it's out like, of her introvert shell. Right? No, no. Yeah. That's her finally smashing <laughs> that introverted uh, yeah. young woman that she was in the first movie, like to, to bits. Mm -hmm. And she finally just calls, uh, just calls uh, Rocky out on on her on his bullshit, you know. And I mean that, that that's a testament to uh, that, that's a testament to uh, her resilience as a character in so many ways, you know. And, and, and that's why, you know, she becomes, once again, like I say, this is an important movie for so many people. This was an important movie for Talia Shire and her character, Adrian. They're all given a voice. Yeah. yeah she, she's actually given a voice here, much like, uh, much like uh, Apollo was. Yep. Because for the first movie, she was just a pet keeper. She need, I don't think she had a line in that first movie other than, mm-hmm, and mm-mm. And the second movie, she almost died having the baby, <laughs> so she was in the hospital. Uh, the yeah. third movie, I think, is the first time she really got a role. But unfortunately, 
I mean, I love the Rocky series. I have the entire box collection, like DVD. Like, I really do enjoy it. But it has to be said that they are pretty formulaic. Like, from that point forward, it was her job to show up wherever he was, whether it was L.A. or fucking Russia, to tell him, (laughs) you can do this. And then all of a sudden, the touch starts playing in the background and the montage music starts playing and he goes crazy. I mean, and it kind of goes back to the fact that, and this is something we said about the first movie, but the first Rocky movie is at its core a love story. In the the following, like the the, the subsequent films, it sort of lost that as a central theme. And so Adrian kind of gets just relegated to that like third act shift that makes him get serious and do the final training montage. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I see what you said about how that does become formulaic over time. Maybe that's why they killed her off in Rocky Balboa. Yeah, I can definitely see it. Like, there wasn't anything more for her to do. Otherwise, she'd be doing that. She did it every single time when he fought against Tommy and, and Rocky Five. Like, she was always that voice once Mickey died. When Mickey was there, they didn't need her to be that voice. That was the yeah. problem. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. But I would say that at the very least, even even though this kind of started that trend, I would say that this is the most the this is the only one that re- uh, that remains impactful. You know, the only speech he gives that's truly impactful because I mean, it really does uh, shake Rocky just out of his haze. Yeah, you know? it's, it's mm-hmm. fires, yeah. Really. yeah. He, he's just like uh, it's because I'm afraid. It's like is that what you want me to say? It's like I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. It's like and, and and it was just like Rocky. That's all right. You can be afraid. Man, I'd honestly, be afraid man. too. Yeah, you yeah, should be afraid. Should be afraid. Seriously, yeah, you should be afraid of this. But it's like take that fear and turn it into hunger. You know, and that's what Apollo helped him to do after after the uh, the next montage and everything. I mean, there's there's a point where you also have to think. At least I do. Um, from a psychological mindset, the last time he fought Clever Lang, a person he loved died. Mm, that's true. If he steps back into that ring again and Adrian had just had the trouble with the baby, the, the difficult pregnancy where she almost died. Oh, man. Am I risking this again by you stepping in? And I know that's not something that he speaks, but I, I, you know, you just create these things in your head. When he says, I'm afraid, I'm afraid for you. Like me, I'm, I'm going to get hit in the face and be just fine. But if I lose you, I can't do that. I'm not strong enough to be able to do that. So once she says, you're not going to lose me. Okay. Let's run this beach real quick. Right. <laughs> That's exactly that's the the impetus that he needed to just, you know, to to actually take it seriously, to get that edge back, that eye of the tiger. And then we, of course, we get the gonna fly now trading montage that Mm -hmm. has become a staple of the franchise, even going into the Creed movies. Mm. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, it's a it's a. Lovely movie that shouldn't have been that lovely, but it becomes lovely because the sum of all of the parts. Like, I really do wish that they had given Clever Lang a rematch in another movie down the line. Yeah, that would be cool. Or it would probably be cool to possibly do a little bit of maybe a a spinoff movie about Clever's uh, rise. You know, before versus Creed. Yeah, but but before he fights uh, Rocky, maybe. 
Like, I mean, mm-hmm. maybe there, there could be a story told there, you know? Or maybe bring him into uh, a Creed movie somehow, Creed. you know? Kind of like son, what, Have his son do it. Right? That would be interesting. Something but like what they run, did with Drago, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but wouldn't you run the risk of that becoming a little formulaic, though? It's history repeating itself over and over. Yeah, because they did it with Drago. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Yeah. Huh. There, there's a point in these movies where, like we said, it feels it's it's fitting a script. I and as much as I would have loved to have seen the guy, the time has passed. I just wanted these two movies happen back to back. Let this movie happen right here. But instead, at that point in time, the Cold War, the Cold War necessitated the Rocky go to Russia to fight Ivan Drago. So yeah. okay, um, which we will never say that the whole inspiration for that fight was because he killed a black man right in front of his face and then said, "If he dies, he dies." Which is my fourth favorite Rocky quote of all time. Oh hell yeah! If he dies, he dies is absolutely fucking incredible. So cold, just so cold. If he dies, he dies. Does right? I'm actually now that I yeah. think about it, I'm shocked Mister T hasn't shown up in an Expendables movie yet. For real. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Wow. I mean, didn't they make like a fourth one recently? Recently, yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ, yeah. How the hell did they not have Mr. T? What the fuck? Right? But it's just, it's it's interesting to me that this movie had so much wonderful shit talking. And then oh, it only, oh. the final mat, the final round or the final fight only lasted like, Three rounds. Yeah. 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 We don't really have any going the going uh, all 15 rounds here or anything like that. Yeah. Like, I mean, both of these fights are uh, with Clubber Lang are pretty much uh, quick fights, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, so. So, I mean, like I said, it's it's a more fast paced type of boxing that we're dealing with here. So it would make sense that they would want to kind of. Uh, you know, finish it within three or four rounds. And Most people don't pay for the pay per view for three rounds, man. Like, I, I know, yeah, yeah. I hate yeah. That, dude. Although it is still awesome to see a uh, a fighter in his prime just completely beat somebody down and knock him out. I mean, yeah, that's still. I think Weathers. Remember, he's you know? saying he was expecting it to go into like the seventh or eighth round. Yeah, and he's like, "Dude, we got to end this early, though." No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. eight eight rounds, and you're going to be winded. It's yeah. like we got to end this shit early. Got to end it early. Put yeah. it away. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But, I mean, I think that that's one of the strong points of the Rocky f- franchise in general is that it does kind of show the psychology of, uh, of boxing, uh, like, uh, in, in its entirety, you know? I mean, yeah, I mean, there is, you know, just like in wrestling, there's an in-ring psychology to, to uh, fighting and, and, and how the strategy plays into that. So it's like, I mean, when, when he starts to uh, absorb blows and he's actually protecting himself this time, you know, he's, he's actually taking blows in a smart way this time. Yeah, and he's got know? ring awareness. He's got his he's, footing. You yeah, know? yeah, and, and he's got speed. And That's, he's got his jab. Like, yeah, I don't think he's he was taught jab. to use his jab, really. Yeah, yeah but he's, he's also got that speed so that yeah. he's able to counter uh, He's able to counter all those barrages from uh, Clubber in, in tiring him out and everything. Exactly. So, you know, so, so now that he has better stamina, he can uh, better take punches. And if you can better take punches, you know, you're going to conserve energy. And, you know, that, that's what got Club, Clubber laying in the end. He, he, just, he, he just got tired and then... Uh, gassed him out, dude. Yeah, yeah, he gassed him out and Rocky just uh, played that to his strengths and just brought him down. So that's Rocky's secret weapon, right? 
is that he can just keep taking punches. Now, the first time he didn't have the stamina to take punches from Yeah, just like a Super Saiyan dude, he got stronger. Yeah. The the first time he went toe to toe with Clubber Lang, he didn't have the strength to take those hits from Mr. Oh, T. To come but, back, yeah. You know, I mean, after get getting up. that training with Apollo, then then he could he could fall back on his secret weapon at the end. And, you know, I I Although ultimately, I think that's what ends up being uh, Rocky's uh, a downfall and why he has to quit the career. Although that, you know, to be fair, they bring that up in several movies. Like you're gonna, you, I think in like Rocky Two, they were like, "You're done. You shouldn't fight anymore." Keeps fighting. And Rocky Three, he's like, "I'm gonna <laughs> retire. I'm done fighting." Keeps fighting. And Rocky Five, they're like, "Dude, you have a brain injury. You gotta quit fighting." He keeps fighting. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. At least he finally gave up in Rocky Balboa. Yeah, but not without that final fight. Yeah. Yeah. That that I don't know. I don't know. I feel I feel like Rocky three and Rocky Four to me were the apex of the Rocky saga. Not including Creed, but so everybody else gives so much credence to like Rocky one and Rocky two. And I watch them and, and they just don't hit for me. And it's because I grew up watching this shit talking man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hate Balboa, but I pity the fool and I will destroy anyone who tried to take what I got. Like, <laughs> yeah, just, just the audacity of it. Exactly. The audacity of everything he said just punched me right in my chest. And so, I mean, I loved Ivan Drago because he was a destroyer. And he said, if he dies, he dies. But Clever Lang, I will stand on everything. That's that's the that's the hill I will die on. That Clever Lang was probably the best opponent that Rocky Balboa ever had. And he deserved more than three rounds in that second match. Um, yeah. I, forever, forever, I will stand on that. Oh, definitely. It, it I, I could have gone a little bit longer. Right? Yeah, maybe right. another round or two at the very least. Yeah, honestly, you know, three it, rounds. What the hell? It, it would have been interesting to see what would have happened if he would have gone like at least six rounds. You know, at the very mm -hmm. least. You know, which of course, I mean, that's longer than Clubber had ever really gone by that point. So. So, I mean, yeah, it would have been interesting to see, like, may maybe even show him adapt a little bit, you know? Yeah. Like, it would have been interesting to see if he would have been able to flip the script on, uh, on Rocky a few more times, you know? Exactly. And how Rocky, how Rocky would have responded to that, you know? Mm -hmm. and, 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 yeah, we don't, really get, we don't really get that this time, you know? You, you kind of got that with the fights in Rocky 1 and Rocky 2, you know? But, I mean, because, I mean, he went that, that length and everything, but... But yeah, here, I mean, yeah, you don't get that. So, absolutely. Like, well, every other fight, every other match that he had in every other movie, except for the one with fucking Tommy out in the streets, he went the distance. Like, in the end, like, decisions were made or, or final knockouts or something like that in, like, the 12th round. You're telling me, Rocky, that you can beat Clever Lane or you... you can last more than two rounds against you can last two rounds against Clever Lang, but you can go to distance with fucking Ivan Drago, who was punching like twenty three hundred pounds per square inch. 
Yeah. Seriously. Oh my God. Yeah. I could, no, no, no. Hell no. Come on. Rocky now. Four is where it starts to stretch credulity a little bit. And it's just kind of <laughs> like, I mean, because we saw what Drago could do and he hit Rocky with his full power. Of course, he didn't turn out completely unscathed. I think that that was kind of the, uh, the whole reasoning behind uh, why he was so bad off, you know, his body condition in Rocky Five. But even so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the uh, Rocky Three and Rocky Four do occupy um, a, a specific section of the Rocky franchise. Like I, I know what you mean, Derek, is that there's a, there's a completely different feel with these '80s era of Rocky movies. And for me, I mean, I'd put this above Rocky Two. Um, I still think the first one is the best. And I think after mm-hmm. that, the Creed movies uh, do the best job of emulating, you know, what the original story was about. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, of course, you know, Rocky four is so good. And then I think, I think it would be Rocky three after that uh, because I mean, and I, and I wish I could rate it higher to be honest, but, uh, because, you know, like I, like, like you said, I mean, it, it's good because we get some more background into Apollo's character, where he started from. We get to see him in a different role. Uh, we see Adrian have a little bit more agency. We have fucking Mr. T and Hulk Hogan. I mean, it, it's just, um, it's a really fun movie, and it doesn't quite stretch so much credulity like its successor does. And plus, you get moments where Mr. T gets to say stuff like, what's my prediction for the fight? Yeah, what's your prediction? Pain. The best quotables in the world. Oh, or uh, Apollo's line when he's like, "Um, why do you think I'm sitting back here? <laughs> I mean, like, like again, if 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 Sylvester wrote this, I'm so proud of him because there's stuff like Rocky asking Mickey, "Why are you doing this?" and Mickey said, "Because you can't win, Rock. This guy will kill you to death inside of three rounds." <laughs> Rocky said he's just another fighter, and Mickey said, "No, he ain't just another fighter. This guy's a wrecking machine, and he's hungry. Hell, you ain't been hungry since you won that belt." <laughs> Yeah, oh, speaking serious truth. There hasn't been you know? any real challenge since uh, Creed, I guess, right? Oh, yeah, no. Like, like beyond a shadow of a doubt Yeah, and everything. So it had been like three years since he fought Creed, right? At the very least, by that point, I mean, he had already gone on a 10-win streak and yeah. everything. So Still undefeated. And, and, and if you know anything about how boxing works, I mean, it takes a little bit to get a fight together and then uh, actually pull it off and everything. So, yeah, I mean, he'd have to be doing like how many fights a year to get 10 in three years? Oh, man, just like, get- Get your yeah, health about together two, again. Two fights, two fights uh, at least. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that makes sense. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, he goes through that whole win streak, and, yeah, he gets soft and everything. And uh, it, it's good to see him, you know, finally just face himself in the end and, uh, and, then, and then kind of overcome, you know. He, he overcomes himself, overcomes Clubber, overcomes, you know, losing Mickey. I mean, which, by the way, hit pretty hard, you know, because we lost someone close to us not too long ago. You know, it's kind of like Mickey in many ways. So that hit hard as well. But, I mean, just the, how he 
showed his resilience and he bounced back, you know, even at the lowest moment of his life, arguably. It's pretty much him fighting himself, you know. Exactly. I mean, two southpaws going at it, right? Yeah, two southpaws going at it, like straight up. I guess the challenge is just, you know, fighting yourself, probably. Exactly. I don't know. Yeah. And, th and that's what I love about Apollo's uh, training, you know. I mean, it, it's not coming from a place of, like, uh, you know, malice or anything. It's, it's you know, he, he's really concerned about uh, about Rocky. He, he's concerned about him, and he wants him to overcome this. So, mm -hmm. I mean, and, and that, that's what makes this uh, a great, one of the great relationships in uh, movies, period. One of the great friendships in, in movies. So, yeah. Well, it's funny that that friendship started Honestly, that friendship started between Apollo and Rocky because when Apollo went to shake Clever's hand, Clever was like, get out my face. Don't need nothing you got no more. Don't need no has been messing in my corner. And you better get that bad look off your face before I knock it off. Come on. You want to jump? The jump. Come on, Creed. And after that, they became friends. Exactly. Yeah. That's all it took, right? Which shows you sometimes the best friendships come from pettiness. The enemy of my exactly. enemy is my friend, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I don't blame him. I mean, yeah, I, I wanted to see Clubber uh, kind of brought down a few pegs after that, you know. So, yeah, I could see that, you know, Apollo would kind of want to get uh, the one up on him. So then that, that's the way he can do go about that. Mm -hmm. So. But Rocky shouldn't have needed any motivation. Dude showed up to his fucking statue unveiling and said, get now while you can. Don't give this sucker no statue. Give him guts. <laughs> <laughs> give him guts. Must have uh, retired undefeated, I guess, right? And over. He just kept calling him a paper champion. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Get now while you can. You got your shot. Now give me mine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the absolute disrespect, but, you know, it's just like it. that's part of the character. That's part of, of the stakes here, you know, and, and I mean, Apollo was talking mad shit in Rocky 2 as well, but nowhere near what Clubber Lang was mm -hmm. doing. McClubber Lang, he's, he's practically almost an existential threat to Rocky in a way. It's pretty you know? much they had to talk shit to get him in the ring. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. It's like, so well, they, they came off as the bad guys. Yeah. I, that's what Apollo did, too. He just he just yeah. didn't take it quite as far. <laughs> he still so has what, some, whatever, uh, some yeah, honor, Yeah, he was like, I whatever guess. you got to do. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But Clubber, Clubber didn't give a fuck. Mr. T don't give a fuck. <laughs> Mr. T didn't go. But the, the funny thing is about Mr. T in this movie is after this movie, he was adamant about not playing, uh, about not playing villains because he wanted to be a role model, and that's kind of what led to him playing uh, up to his role in uh, A-Team, you know, as more of like a nice guy and everything, just with a rough exterior and whatnot. So... I mean, yeah, so th th this actually really shaped Mr. T's career going forward in, in, in that way and everything. And, of course, along with, the, you know, I Pity the Fool. That's the first time we ever hear him say that. So, yeah, it, it's pretty much a, an er character moment for Mr. T. Like, and, and he just ran with it through the 80s, you know. And Guest appearance, television like, sitcom. I mean, I'm old enough yeah. to remember eating the Mr. T cereal. Oh, man. So yep. it's like, yeah, <laughs> Which was pretty much just like what King Vitamin or Captain Crunch. That's what it tasted like, kind of. 
It was like a, it was like a corn cereal, something like that. Uh, something Kellogg's, or it had to be Kellogg's. It was Post, I think. Post. Uh, yeah, I think it was Post that released it. I'm looking at this quote right now because I'm looking at. I always look at the quotes for Rocky Three. They're inspirational, speaking to me. But yeah. there's a there's a point after Mickey dies where Rocky throws his uh, helmet at the statue and everything, and then he goes to the gym, and that's where Apollo meets him, and he's like, it's dark in here, isn't it? But literally, just what we were talking about earlier, Rocky is in the gym, and he's punching. he punches the speed bag, and Apollo walks in behind him and says, that's, that's not the way you do it. And Rocky says, who's there? And Apollo says, you should hit it straight, step into it. Rocky didn't even know how to hit a speed bag, and he was the champion. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. I mean, what, what does that really say right there, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's like Robert said. It, it almost feels like uh, Mickey kind of didn't really fully train him. Like, like yeah. his training wasn't complete. You got to remember in the beginning, it was a long shot too. He was. So his training was not complete from the beginning, right? Yeah, in many ways. Not not criticizing Mickey as a trainer. He's a great trainer. But, I mean, he he just wasn't enough for Clubber Lang to to, to put Rocky up against Clubber Lang, and that's why it took Apollo to do that. Mm Mm-hmm. And y'all know what? I'm sorry, but I'm reading these quotes now, and the stuff that I was saying about the psychological aspect, it's it's right here, and I never noticed it because I was a kid. But Adrian says, why don't you tell me the truth? And Rocky says, what do you put me through, Adrian? Do you want to know the truth? The truth is I don't want to lose what I got. At the beginning, I didn't care about what happened to me. I go in the ring. I get busted up. I didn't care. But now there's you, and there's a kid, and I don't want to lose what I got. And he's like, I'm afraid because for the first time in my life, I'm afraid. And he's literally talking about losing her. Yeah. And losing the kid. I love this movie. Oh, yeah, man. This is really great. I I guess we can go ahead and get into our final thoughts here. I mean, we've already gotten into pretty much everything regarding this movie. Uh, I guess we can start with you, Derek. Uh, My final thoughts are like this was, like I said, uh, Clever Lang was a superhero to me. Like black Superman. And... I've always adored this movie in a way that didn't make sense. Uh, but the older I get, the more that it it, it resonates with me. Um, and so to get the opportunity to talk with you all about it and see it from yet another angle, it's weird that a movie that is so shallow has such a deep pool hidden right in the middle of it. Really? Seriously? But yeah, thank you all for having me on. I really do appreciate it. Oh, we, we enjoy having you on, Derek. I mean, this is like the third time you've been on the show. And uh, if, if our listeners want to hear our other episodes with Derek, we, we did uh, Last Action Hero and uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie with him. And those were great episodes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we always have uh, fun with Derek on the show. Uh, Robert, what are your final thoughts? My final thoughts... Um you know, it's people say that you know part four is better, but uh, when you look at it from part three, it's 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 got to be that part three is better because you know he had to figure out who he was all over again when he lost the belt. I mean, he lost the belt for the wrong reasons. You know, his head wasn't in the game. You know, I mean, like Bo said too. I mean, he he came out of not knowing this dude's training or any of his videos. You know, I'd be studying this guy. You know, 
Exactly, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, this movie is... I mean, and then he becomes the two-time World Heavyweight Champion, so that's even cool, right? Like, it's, yeah. al- it's almost like you have to lose it to get it back and then, you know, become a two-timer. More money, I guess. <laughs> yeah, some, something like that. And <laughs> honestly, I mean, the money's in the rematch, right? Oh, always. It always mm-hmm. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotta get that so, purse, right? Yeah, dude. So, um, yeah, this would have to be one of my favorites out of the whole series, you know, and then going into Rambo too, right for with Sylvester Stallone restarting his whole career again, I guess. Yeah, yeah, making that other iconic uh, character. Yeah, I mean, redefining his acting career too from this movie, you know. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Ash, what are your final thoughts? Oh, like I said, doesn't rate quite highly as say Rocky One or even the Creed movies, but. Or, or even Rocky Four, but it does rate higher than B for Rocky Two. It certainly rates higher than Rocky Five. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, I, I do love this particular era of the Rocky franchise. I, I love you know what the '80s did with the character, and here, of course, we have Rocky in full control, uh, directing, writing, and and starring in it. So. You know, like, like we mentioned before, I, I do feel like there is a sort of autobiographical flow to these movies, even going back to the first one, which he didn't direct, but I, I believe he wrote or helped write. Uh, so, and again, I think that comes into full force with the journey that Rocky goes through in this movie. But I, I think the one thing that Rocky Three does do better than uh, the movies that came before it is, is really giving more agency to its supporting characters, to to the supporting cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I and I, I think that's definitely what makes it a more interesting film than its predecessor. And uh, you know, and honestly, it brought us Eye of the Tiger, so <laughs> which is still a fucking <laughs> banger. Oh fuck yeah! I, I was Robert right. I was seeing that shit hardcore whenever it was playing uh, uh, in the end credits, right? Oh yeah, hello. <laughs> fucking a, fucking a. As for me, like my final thoughts, this this is to me like the perfect Rocky movie. You know, it's everybody. Everything is firing on all cylinders here. You have the montages, you know, where. You know, this pretty much establishes that as a trope in this series, pretty much. You know, like, we have no less than three of them here. We have Clubber fucking Lang, I mean, as with Mr. T. You know, you have have Hulk Hogan, you know, giving an an iconic performance here. The one that set him on his uh, path. To uh, WrestleMania. To WrestleMania, exactly. (laughs) I mean, you have Talia Shire, you know, uh, kind of uh, breaking out of, breaking her character out of uh, the the previous, uh, you know, introversion and everything. And then you have Carl Weathers finally getting uh, Apollo Creed's uh, uh, full story kind of, uh, and, and giving him more character and everything, giving him an actual arc and whatnot. I mean, th- this is, to me, l- like I said, this is the most important movie in this entire franchise, you know, thematically, and also as far as the cast and the, and the crew is concerned. This was important for everybody involved, and it, it has some of the best performances out of the entire franchise, you know, out of any movie, you know, possibly even bef- the first movie included. Yeah. But... 
I, I feel like this, this to me, it's, it's the most Rocky movie out of all of them. If you know what I mean, it's Rocky as fuck. And yeah, I mean, I think that if there was a movie that I would really want to put on just for pure entertainment value and also just pure value to the franchise, it's, it's going to be this one. Yeah, it's you know? one of the greatest comebacks in cinema history. It right? really is. You know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a true comeback story for Rocky, it's, you know? It's got to be a better comeback than part two, you know what I mean? A way better. Yeah. yeah, way better. But yeah, that is all that we have to say about Rocky three. Uh, Derek, uh, go ahead and, uh, plug your show. Uh, tell our listeners, uh, where to find you. Actually now it's, um, I do ratchet book club and I do hindsight, which the next one is probably going to be RoboCop because I just found out that my co-host never seen it before. What? 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 Hold on. Really? Yeah. He's young. Oh shit. (laughs) I also have a show called uh, RTO Podcast. Um, RTO stands for Return to Oswald because that was the first uh, show that we did on that on that feed. Um, we went back and we watched Oz, the HBO show, um, nice. episode by episode, season by season, and it's excellent. I just went back and listened to it a couple of days ago. Um, and now we are in our ninth show or eighth show something like that and we're doing uh breaking bad um oh fuck yeah and so the show is called blood meth and tears and we just finished recording um the season three season finale um so that'll be out in two weeks but it's it's already up so if y'all go to rto podcast um on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you can we we've done we talked about this today we've done Oz was the first show we did and then we did ESPN's Playmakers nice and then we did um, Orphan Black um, oh nice and then we did Counterpoint which was a great JK or JK Simmons show. Do not want to give that lady any credit. JK Simmons show. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And now we're doing and we did um there was a show on HBO with um Hugh Grant and, and some other lady where he murdered somebody and they were trying to figure out who done done it. So we did a short mini series on that. And we just, we discuss shows episode by episode, season by season. And it's absolutely fantastic. Like I love every moment of it. So if y'all love Ratchet Book Club and you love hindsight, then I know you'll enjoy that. Um, and we're looking for listeners cause Every good show deserves them. So uh, feel free to check that out. And that's about it. Again, I really do appreciate y'all having me on more than I can, more than words can convey. Hell yeah, man. It's been a pleasure to have you on. And guys, what was I saying right before we recorded this podcast? Wasn't I just saying, hey, you know, it'd be cool as if we covered Breaking Bad in some way on an episode. Yeah, you said that. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you did. Go through Better Call Saul. It is a uh, masterpiece. It's I'm, so fucking good. It's been, so good. Robert and I too. just watched the entirety of Breaking Bad when he came out to visit. I live in Houston now. Um, and Robert came to visit and hung out with me for a month. Uh, and we watched the entirety of Cobra Kai. And then we watched the entirety of Breaking Bad. We watched El Camino. Uh, and now I'm 
am a, I just started season four of Better Call Saul, and I just I just cannot get enough of this universe. Uh, Vince Gilligan oh, yeah. is an artist, honestly. He's perfect. He's perfect. We just finished. Um, there's folks out there who haven't seen Breaking Bad yet, and I apologize for that. But the, the episode 12 and episode 13 of season three is called Half Measure and Full Measure. And we discussed for episode uh, 12 how emotional Jesse is in comparison to the analytical mind of Gus and uh, Walter and how he's not built for this world because of that. Because this is the episode where he finds out that his new girlfriend, Andrea, her her brother, uh, the the drug dealers he works for has been selling their drugs. This after they killed right. Combo. Yeah. Um, and we were talking about how Jesse was all in on this, but never blamed Andrea's brother. Never got mad at Andrea. He only got mad at the two adult drug dealers, not the kid who actually killed his friend. Because every time Jesse gets around a kid, all bets are off. This yeah. guy's empathy is so great that he will push everything else aside to protect a kid. He took the blame for smoking weed so his brother wouldn't get in trouble for smoking weed. He stayed there with uh, Spooge's son for hours waiting for them to come home so then he could get revenge for them beating up Skinny Pete. He had sex with Andrea and then immediately turned around and called her a bad parent because she wanted the meth that he was trying to sell to her once he found out that she had a son. Like, so it only made sense that he was going to try and kill these two drug dealers because they killed the kid who killed his friend. Meanwhile, Walt and Gus, at some point during the meeting that they have with these drug dealers, Gus says to them, no more children. Jesse took that to mean that they were no longer going to involve children in their drug dealing. But as my homeboy Scar, the analytical one, said to me, an 11-year-old kid talks a lot. And if you let an 11-year-old kid who murdered somebody and you just push him out the game, at any given moment, he can tell on you, he can tell on me, he can tell on all of us, no more kids. And so they knew that the rule was to go out there and kill that child. And they saw that from two completely different angles. And it was just fascinating to me. We had an hour and 15 minute talk about this, about his downfall is always going to be these children. And it, it, the show is fantastic. It's absolutely wonderful. I'm going to have to check it out. That, that, that sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. Sounds interesting. <laughs> All right, Ash, what's up with collateral gaming? Uh, yeah, so today, as of the time of recording this, we finally, finally got out our episode on Spider-Man 2. Um, we had a, a wedding this month and a lot of other stuff that went on that prevented it. I wanted to get it within a month of the game's release, but part one is out now. For anybody that hasn't uh, played all the way through Spider-Man 2 and platinumed it like I have, uh, we have a spoiler-free review. And then in uh, part two, which should be out very, very soon, we'll get into our full spoiler uh review coming up in december we will be uh, doing our zelda month that's actually what we have planned for this month so uh, we're talking oracle of ages and oracle of seasons and then for the holiday special which we'll have out by christmas uh we're gonna do uh the grinch video game 
So uh, plenty of content planned until the end of uh, the year, and that's not even all of it. And I know we've got uh, our, our bad movie uh, month coming up on Collateral Cinema, right? Yep. Uh, we're going to be doing Neil Breen's Twisted Pear. Yeah. Yep, we're getting into our annual Neil Breen movie. And we will be doing The Wicker Man, and I believe that we're going to be uh, joined by, uh, uh, respectively, uh, Film Rage and, uh, and the Geek Freaks podcast. So, yeah, and, and we're also going to have our annual Christmas episode with uh, Captain Nostalgia from Victims and Villains. And we're going to do uh, Stanley Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut as our Christmas episode. So that's going to be all kinds of interesting. Yeah, and I can't wait to get into that. And uh, Robert, uh, we finally yeah, got to I'm Texas stoked. Sundown. What's up? I just said I'm stoked. I'm stoked. Oh yeah, yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. Oh yeah, we got Filmora downloaded now. Now we got to push some editing real quick. Yeah, yeah, we got to edit through it and everything. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited to get that done and get that out finally. Yeah, I think I'm just excited to see what we can do editing wise too. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, we'll, we will have that out uh, at least by the end of the year, or the beginning of the year. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully soon. So yeah, look for that. And uh, you can find Collateral Cinema on Good Pods, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, and pretty much wherever you can get your podcasts. You can also uh, find us on YouTube. Uh, like, and, like and subscribe to us there and uh, ring that bell and everything. Um, also, uh, we are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Reddit now. So, yeah, uh, visit us uh, there. We're, we're kind of getting a little, uh, kind of trying to build up a little bit on uh, TikTok. And we are also on Threads, and we just recently got our invite code for Blue Sky. So if you happen to be on Blue Sky, uh, follow us there as well. And... Uh, and uh, you can also find us on Patreon and buy me a coffee if you would like to support the show. And we also have a merch shop on Spreadshirt. So uh, uh, visit up, visit us there. Uh, you can find our links on... Uh, I, 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 maybe Ash will put them in the show notes, hopefully. And we are also uh, Podbean affiliates. So uh, we, whenever you see us uh, share our affiliate link, uh, use that to get a one month of free podcasting uh, hosting uh, on Podbean uh, if you get the unlimited plan. So, yeah, uh, if you like to support the show, support us that way. With all, with all that said, I guess that we can go ahead and officially wrap this up. I'm Bo Maddox. I'm Robert Ortegon. I'm the Italian Stallion. And I pity any fool trying to take what I got. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And this is Collateral Cinema. Laters, y'all. Happy Christmas, Thanksgiving, or whatever. (laughs) Laters. Happy New Year.
Collateral Cinema is a Collateral Media podcast. All music and movie clips are owned by the respective creators and are used for educational purposes only. Please don't sue us. We're poor.